you're listening to The Chartographers. Chartographers! It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it worst to best and just forget about the rest. It's just, you know, memories lost in the sand of time. Whispers on the breeze. You know, that's all it is, the rest. And guess what? Today we are tackling a very distinct, very unique artist. Uh, or basically a group that basically defined what art rock and dance and world beat and all so many other different genres are in one place. That's right, we're talking about the one, the only, one of the top ten groups of all time where the lead singer sounds like he was struck by lightning as a child. That's right, guys. We are talking about Talking Heads. Yeah. Tom Tom Club, if you're nasty. So, uh, Talking Heads formed in, uh, out of the... don't call them that. By all means. That is very offensive. David Byrne will be really mad. Yeah. So, uh, formed at the, what is it, the Rhode Island Institute of Design back in, like, you know, the mid-70s. Yeah, exactly. So, David Byrne, Chris France, uh, Tina Weymouth, and other people, uh, they basically all form up uh, the Talking Heads, and they ever uh, Jerry Harrison. I mean, technically, AKA yes. the member with the most co-writing credits. Just yeah. saying, just putting that out there. Exactly. Who remembers Jerry? Some people do. We all remember Chris Jerry France. Knows. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he shouted out a lot of things during uh, you know Genius of Love. That's true. Hey, Jerry. Can you stay behind the drums, please? James Thank you. Brown, James Brown. <laughs> So, uh, but Talking Heads, in a very short amount of time, they uh, started out kind of as kind of these quirk pop rockers, uh, kind of with the uh, post-punk new wave scene that Blonde and other people were doing at CBGB's out in New York at the time. But then, as time went on, they got weirder and stranger and more different, and we are here to talk about those albums and to rank them, because that's what we do. That's what we love. We're along for the journey. We already know there are some people that are very passionate about very certain elements of Talking Heads, but boy, let me tell you, no one is more passionate than the people we have in studio right now. That's right, guys. Of course, there is always me. I am Evan Saudi. I am an editor over at Pop Matters. You probably know me as the host of this podcast. And if you know me as the host of this podcast, then you know the number one person that we got right over here, the Brian Eno to my David Byrne. That's <laughs> oh, right, guys. Yeah. Sharon O'Reilly. I love that. Yeah. I will take it. <laughs> also, Brian Eno, notorious asshole. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah kind of a dick. Yeah. Kind of a dick. Yeah, Tara's not a dick. Yeah. Karen's not a dick. Generally, <laughs> generally no. Like most of ninety nine percent, ninety five percent of the it's time, it's been known to happen. <laughs> there's been there's been moments Maybe like of eighty three percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. And but of course, and the other person that is here with us, oh my goodness, this has been a long time coming. Let me tell you, uh, we got so she is a company member over at Matter Dance. She's the director of development over at New Millennium Theater Company. She is also uh, you may have heard her on her our dear friends over at Film Enthusiast. She was on their Disney Ring. Podcast as well. Very, very good friend. Allie Karen is hi. here! Hi, 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 hi. How are you doing, Allie? <laughs> I'm great. I'm super excited to be ranking my favorite band with my two of my favorite people. In all Can of I them. be like the Tina Weymouth to your yeah. David Byrne? Yeah. Like, you're, you're more talented than Tina, though. We heard. I don't know. I fucking love that bass player. Yeah. Guys, come on. But, but the way she moves her hips. Tina Weymouth taught herself how to play the bass and like freaking six months. That's true. Yeah. That they, is, she learned how to play the bass because they needed a bass yeah, player. Yeah, and she was like, okay, let me see if I could... Guys, Yeah, because she was initially just driving the band around a gig. That was her initial role that she did. Mm-hmm. She, But then she also That's did write we wordy rapping anyway, hoods, so. so I'm just putting that out there yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we don't talk about 
about some things. That <laughs> some did. things just don't talk about. <laughs> exactly. We'll uh, we'll get to that in the happy hour. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, are, th- are like the unhappy hour. <laughs> yeah, so don't worry. But again, weird. as you guys know about this podcast, it is all talking. Just had, uh, and uh, also on top of it though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. You fucked that one up. I am aware. That's fine. But listen, no one's giving head in here, guys. It's, right. it's cool. Right. <laughs> but hey, listen. Uh, now, talking At least heads, not right now. When we're talking about uh, their albums, the thing is that they have in kind of a linear discography. Uh, basically, if you talk about their studio albums, it's pretty straightforward. Of course, we have sure. Talking Heads 77 and 1977. More songs about buildings and food. Their first collaboration with Brian Eno in 1978. Mm-hmm. Uh, their gradually more world beat Fear of Music that came out in 1979. Uh, their big iconic one, uh, Remain in Light from 1980. Uh, the kind of the pop hit album, Speaking in Tongues from 1983. Uh, the much more Americanized R.E.M.ish sort of kind of little creatures in 1985. Uh, the soundtrack to the crazy movie of the same name, True stories from 1986 and their last album naked from 1988 uh, now that's a pretty pretty good run they don't have like you know eps or anything else like that where we talk about qualifiers in terms of what we are and are not going to rank this is where it gets interesting though because we have kind of the ultimate qualifier which is Ugh. i know we get and we got to talk about it because it's essentially good. yeah stop making sense is the big elephant in the room Mm -hmm. uh now for those who aren't aware uh 1984 they came out with a concert film their tour was a very innovative like tour where they kind of like start out from just bare bones basics and build up a whole band from scratch uh and uh, directed by jonathan dam and it's a you know fantastic movie and for a lot of people that was the mainstream introduction of the band but when we're talking about like ranking songs albums things like that they're just doing songs previously on other albums. So in many ways, people view it as like a greatest hits, like an iconic thing. But also, you know, it's a live album too. And traditionally, we haven't included live we albums. We haven't included live albums. And if we tried to include it, then we'd also have to include the name of this band as Talking Heads, which is a similar idea. And we, yeah, we don't do live We're albums. Executed as we well, don't but do a similar idea. Right. Yes. And th- but there are some people that still say the name of the band is Talking Heads. They're a little bit scrappier, a little bit better, a little bit more energy in their step, too. They're a little bit more broken, is what they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, let it be known, though, that though we are not covering uh, Speaking in, uh, Stop Making Sense, it is not only the best of compilation, so to speak, but it's also the best version of all of those best songs. And I believe that they are all like slightly faster than they are in the album version, just in general. Yeah, I would say there are a couple exceptions to that. There are a few Stop Making Sense songs, especially like the biggest hits where I really do, especially at this point, I think the album versions really have some elements that are like missing on the live mm-hmm. versions like for fair. burning down the house psycho killer yeah but but we're also we are gonna talk about this album a fucking lot in the happy hour yeah. because yes. what That's we do because, oh, because we, we like we have to but also we don't want to do it right now because then it'll take a long time before we start talking about actual albums we'll get so. emotionally exhausted is what it is guys <laughs> exactly. we need to go on a journey with this album and we we need to focus on ranking these first because we're we're just going to spend ourselves way too soon these <laughs> albums are seen the live albums right now are not seen and we're going to change that up that's what's going to happen so listen here eight albums we are going to rank them together and do think just and i will say this honestly uh, coming into this week, I don't have a very clear idea what number one is going to be just right off the gate, you know, and I have a feeling we're going to, we have our own opinions, we're going to debate, you know, it could go any which way, we're open to other arguments too, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to start with something really special. Oh. Special guest. Yes. Allie. 
eight albums, eight mm-hmm. spots, number eight. What would you say is the worst Talking Heads album? So for me, it was the opposite. It was very easy for me to pick my number one. My number one, if okay. anything, by, through re-listening to these albums, it reaffirmed my choice and my number one, mm-hmm. and so I'm happy to get there. But for me, the number eight, the worst of the Talking Heads discography, <laughs> have to be more songs about buildings and food. Now that's interesting. Tarrant. That is my pick for number eight. It no. is just so disjointed. I I don't see its potential as a playthrough album, like something you would want to just put on and like do shit to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because every now and then, like every third or fourth song, you're just like, what the hell is happening? Right. And I love David Byrne for that, but I think I feel like he refines that later in his career. Yeah. And it becomes uh, right. much more palatable. Yeah, exactly. The experiments, you're like, oh, this is a pretty odd song structure. But yes. you're pulling it off. You're doing yeah. it, Peter. And, <laughs> you're doing it, Peter. Whereas, yeah, on this album, I totally agree. Um, it is also my pick for number eight. Just because, it, yes, it has what I would say are two of his worst songs um, in artists only. Oh, no, never mind. I was thinking of a different album, one of his worst songs, Artist Only, is just... It's, it's like, pretentious as hell. It's pretentious as hell. <laughs> Wait, and sorry, also, did you just call David Byrne pretentious? Well, the whole, well, the whole like, discography is pretentious as hell, but yes. this song specifically is like, it's unlistenable. His vocal take makes, like, and, and there are some decent things going on in the, you know, in the arrangement mm-hmm. of the rest of the band, what they're bringing to the table, but his vocal take... Just, it's so distracting and yeah. it's so horribly annoying. It literally goes, I don't have to prove. And you're like, no, thank okay. you. But like, context-wise, here's the one thing you need to people know. When Talking at 77 came out, it was this fairly minimalist affair. Like, it is mm-hmm. like, sometimes just sounds like, even though we know Chris France, you know, is a drummer. I wouldn't even call him a great drummer, but he's a drummer, certainly. A drummer. Uh, and the thing is that like, it's basically like very minimal beats, like mostly acoustic, some electric guitar, and just David Byrne front and center, like that's it. Yeah. It's a very minimalist album. So the fact that this single Psycho Killer kind of got a little bit of steam is actually kind of insane and amazing that that yeah. happened. Yeah. What ha- what's significant about uh, more songs about buildings and food is that this was their first collaboration with Brian Eno, who of mm-hmm. course is this eccentric, crazy, brilliant, genius level producer, who with this album, you know, because he produced this and Fear of Music and Remain in Light, with this album, he starts, it, there's not a lot of crazy new production techniques that are kind of on there. It's a little bit more full-bodied than 77, certainly. Right. The, the biggest thing is that Talking Head 77 was compiled from a bunch of songs throughout the years. If you look at the writing credits, it's primarily David Byrne did everything except yeah. for like one or two songs. Yeah. And there's a co-writer. Here, there, yeah. Exactly. Here, there's a lot more of the band coming into play. And also, structurally, there's a lot more to appreciate here because like, even uh, with our love, it kind of has like different like moments, kind of like these angular different parts to it. Like mm-hmm. it's like a three song, su- like a three part suite than it is like a traditional pop song. And I can appreciate that. I, you know, but I- like... Go ahead. didn't like that about that song. Okay. I felt like it was like Too three disjointed. different songs that they were like, I kind of like this part of this song, and I kind of also like this part of this stay song. Hungry, so stay why don't we Frankenstein this shit together and <laughs> right. make a song? Yeah. Yeah. I will also say that the the leading, the first track on the album, uh, Thank You for Sending Me an Angel, is never ever the song that I think it is. 
<laughs> when I see that title, uh, it's <laughs> never. I, I'm thinking it's going to be something melodious, but it's so like. Walk like me. I'm like, oh, this is not a love song. Yeah. Interesting. My bad. Yeah. And the thing is that I'll be a hundred percent honest. Of course, the the big thing of the big takeaway here is that their cover of "Take Me to the River" pushed them in the top. Oh Yeah, that was their first actual like bona fide hit. And the thing is, it's weird because it sounds like it doesn't even belong on this album. Like for all of the angular kind of like sharpness to the guitars that they have there. Very true. To the extent that when you said it was on this album earlier, I didn't believe you, even though I've been listening to this all week in order. I was still like, no, that can't be right. And I, but I also, spoiler, this is another song where Stop Making Sense improves it vastly. Oh, yes. Because the, the tempo's still pretty low. I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a very nice song, but it doesn't really like grab me. And I think that's, that's the, the real reason I, I put this album at number eight is because it doesn't have any songs where I go, oh, this is among the best things they've written. Yes. I, I like, and just, I can certainly appreciate the big country. Like, that's a fine... It's a fine uh, song. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Right, it's fine. Yeah. It's um, fine. I also, I think Found a Job has grown on me. It used to be... Yeah, I it has grown on it, me too. But I'm like, I'm into it. Um, I also know a really fun cover of Warning Sign by Local Natives. Ooh. So I have a fondness for that track as well. Um, even though it definitely is full-blown early talking heads, it's pretty disjointed. Yeah. But it's kind of, especially if you listen to the lyrics on that one, it's going for that. But yeah, it, it unfortunately can't yeah. save... And- and listen, no. like I'm, I'm not gonna like be like the hard, you know, more songs about buildings and food stand by all means. If it lands number eight, I'm not gonna shed a damn tear. Let me tell mm-hmm. you. But uh, I just want to throw my pick for number eight out there because I think it's yes. a bit of a hot take. I think uh, people would be surprised by it. But let me tell you about my feelings about Fear of Music, because that is an album where there are some genuinely brilliant songs on there and the thing is like i mean of course we all know life during wartime certainly that is one and i know people have mixed feelings about uh heaven uh memories can't wait is very much it almost sounds like the first time they really discover what rock is like in the more the traditional open palm you know like you know chord structure like you know there's a little bit more flang to it as well uh and like <laughs> the thing is that even uh drugs like such a brilliant elliptical closer that feels unlike anything else are we and- talking about fear of music or are we talking about Buildings and food. No, no, no. no I'm he talking was about... saying he moved on to fear oh, of music. Yeah, your number eight. Sorry. Yeah, and the thing about mm-hmm. and the thing about fear of music is the fact like, that oh, like please. these these songs like I feel like it, they are you know especially life during wartime which I know is very much you know very much a hit in its own right. There's a lot more brilliant moments on here, but every moment of brilliance is balanced out by one of the worst things they ever fucking did in their goddamn life. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, paper. Holy fuck. Uh, animals. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Electric guitar now, really makes me want to rip my goddamn electric, fucking ears out. Electric guitar is like rough. Yes. Hearing your argument for this, like I am willing to concede to you that that album be placed at number eight, just because you are absolutely. Right, there are far more redeeming qualities about more songs about buildings and food. And like, I could take a I'm not- also easy to argue with because no. I'm gonna usually just be like, I see your point, and that's valid, and I changed my no. mind. I'm I'm sticking with my pick though, because okay. the thing about Fear of Music is that yes, consistency wise, it is less enjoyable. Yes, however, it has Ezimbra on it, <laughs> and I 
fucking love Izimbra. And it has feet, yeah. and it has life during wartime and it has heaven which is not my favorite yeah. but I think it's I think it's solid as I feel far like, as like I feel a like ballad, there's a great version of heaven that another artist has yet to record. Yeah, I'm not a fan of heaven. Yeah. Oddly, that's, that's fair. <laughs> um by the way, David Byrne is not in the studio. I want to clarify that. Right now. <laughs> it may seem like he just walked in. It's I believe it. And Somehow that, that joke is still funny, even though I've heard you make it every time someone sings. About yeah. anyone. Yeah. Um, I, I would Shadow. also like to say, though, that on Fear Music, um, Cities has very much grown on me. Yeah. Yes. Very cities, much grown on yeah. me. And, and, even and that it's alternate not just, version on the 2004 re-release is pretty solid, too. Mm-hmm. I like that, yeah. And it's not just the backing track, either. Even though I think that during the verse, the backing track that they have created is, like, yeah. very innovative, really interesting. And But then that, that hook, Find a city, find myself a city to live in. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. get that. But again, even with that, even with the kind of blasé feelings that we have towards more songs about buildings filled, Jesus Christ, paper. No, oh here's my God. the thing, though. I had blasé feelings about buildings and food, but at the same time, I really love Take Me to the River, their mm-hmm. their version of that. There are a couple of songs on here. I, I might even fought for, fight for Thank You for Sending Me an Angel, even though it's never the song I think it right, is. Right, yeah. It's still a good song when I hear it. Yeah. Right? And I'm it's a hell of a way surprised. to open an album, too. Like, when you hear it and they're just... It's got the shuffle where it's just like, oh, this is not Talking Cat 77 at all. Thank you. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. you guys did some work. You did yeah. some work. Yeah. But that being said, if if we put, if we wind up putting Fear of Music at number eight, uh, I have more buildings, more songs about buildings, it would have to be number seven. Or yeah, but versa. here's the thing, though. Yeah. I'm, mm, uh, <laughs> I think I, yeah. Karen and I are pretty well, set our ways. So it might come down to you, Allie. I would just like to say one more thing. Yeah. About these, this suite of albums mm-hmm. is that, like, on Talking Head '77, they come out. The first half is pretty rough, and we'll get there. But then on the second half, they really. They have a really incredible run of songs, and I think that is because, you know, they'd been a band for a couple years before they actually put this out. So Mm -hmm. David Byrne had a a catalog to pull from, and they recorded the best of what they had to prepare. Whereas I feel like on more songs about buildings and food... This was titling it, oh my God. titling it more songs is like a little too applicable. Yeah. Like it really yeah. feels it's like on the nose. it's on the nose. And but they're they, being they're like not, quirky and self-referential. They okay, know it's a sure. Okay, but it's really yeah. not. It it. I don't see any they're evolution only. from more songs <laughs> about buildings and f- food. Like I, I don't see like. I, clearly the same band recorded both of those albums. Like, I don't see... Even though Brian Eno was brought in and you hear, you hear the, the boost in budget because bit, Psycho yeah. Killer was a bit of a success. Yeah. But it's still... There's... I feel like it's missing the strength of songwriting that you expect from a Talking Heads album that, it, that you find on every album after this. Except for even electric guitar. Well, <laughs> right. No, but I mean... You have on fear of music. You have some shit, but you also have Ezimbro life during more chances. Like mm-hmm. you yeah, have yeah, no, you have fair. two huge iconic. Like if you're talk if you're a Talking Heads fan, yeah, you have two really iconic songs on fear of music, and you don't. There are there are none. Here's what on I will more say songs. as yeah. the tiebreaker. Yes, for number, do. Both the originator of number eight and now the tiebreaker <laughs> of number eight. <laughs> um, I am not titles. going to base my decision on 
any of the arguments that you just made, and instead I'm going to base it on the album that I think has the best original Talking Heads song. So I'm excluding Take Me to the River specifically here. Okay. And I'm going to stick with more songs about buildings and food because I think Life During Wartime is the best song on these two albums. Yes. And therefore, I th- I feel like I should stick with my original more songs about buildings and food at number eight. Okay. Excellent. You know, and, and that so is it, totally okay. It is. And then, <laughs> but then that okay, we're in agreement that Fear of Music and should be blessed. Yes, okay. Is. Yeah. That yeah. Is, that's Fear of Music easy... is number seven. Okay, that's the good. The two albums are just so similar. It's it's almost. What? No, I feel like they're very <laughs> sonically extremely different in terms of quality. That's a different. I feel like yeah. you were really upset by certain songs and that attached oh to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean, literally, the the terrible songs on Fear of Music are unlike terrible songs of us their career. Because like, it, Naked is kind of a, a fleeting album. It's a colorful album. Mm-hmm. It's like this very, I wouldn't call it deep by any means. But there's but like, not a bad song on it. Yeah, no, there's right. True. There's lesser songs on it by right. all means. And even like, and even again, like uh, Talking Again 77, there's kind of this nervy little energy to it. This is kind of like, even if it's not consistently brilliant, there's still like moments of just kind of like punch and like this is a new voice that is emerging that at least I can appreciate more than that. But that's just me. And hey, listen, we had the number eight, number seven debate. Mm-hmm. It went great. I'm happy myself. <laughs> But, Congratulations. Right, no, exactly. But let me just tell you something right now. We're at number six. Taryn O'Reilly, co-creator of the podcast. Where does your heart lie? Where does my heart be? Not this genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely, I'm torn between two things. Okay. You can. But I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to say okay. true stories. Mm. Okay. I like true stories. Mm-hmm. I think that it has some great moments. I'm obviously like Wild Wildlife is a really fun song, whoa, whoa, but it kind whoa. of has th- a similar problem to more songs about building buildings and food for me in mm-hmm. that it's missing an iconic, incredible Talking Heads song. I I think well, and so before we get too far into this, yes. I really do want to say. Evan and I watched True yes, Stories this week, and Ellie has seen it before. I have seen it. It and has I been think, a while, but I have seen it. And I think that we can all agree that the cast versions of these songs are superior in almost every case. Absolutely. Even on Dream Operator, which is sung by this like woman who doesn't really have a very strong voice. It's very wispy, yeah. but she sings it and gives it her all. It works in the context it, it, of the she film pulls it off. so well. Yes. Whereas I feel like on the album, it's just like, eh. I, I like the album version of Dream Operator. Yeah? I really do, yeah. Okay. I find it ethereal. And I feel like, here's the thing about True Stories, is that I really feel like, because if you watch the movie True Stories, like we, there's kind of this debate about whether or not David Byrne actually gives a fuck about the people that he's portraying in there. Like, are you actually, like, do you care about kind of Southern rural life or are you just relentlessly mocking it? Like, it's kind of this fine line of, like... I think it's the latter. Where... I, don't, I think yeah, it's pretty obvious that it's the latter. Yeah, as a Southern as lady... As a Southerner, y'all, because I'm from North Kakalaki. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I... Look for your mask, kids. I'm gonna have to agree with Taryn on this because be just because of that feeling that watching the movie gave. There's a reason that I haven't watched this movie in a long time. I was like, oh, damn, he ain't being nice to us, y'all. Bless his heart. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, literally, no southern person is portrayed well in that movie. Yeah. Right. Everyone is like, and it's like it's a look at the freak kind of thing. Yeah, it, yeah it's right. totally a look at the freak kind of thing, and 
in spite of that, it manages to have better versions of, like, from the cast. Yeah. It manages to have better versions of the songs than David Byrne himself could produce. But, like, like I the John associate Goodman... these songs, even in the album version, mm-hmm. I associate those songs with the feeling of watching that movie and yeah. just being like, damn, y'all ain't being Christianly right now. <laughs> but, and the thing well, is that, like... not one, and Well, so. that's very fair for David And I feel Byrne. like, because we're getting to remember, this follows Little Creatures, which was, you know, very much kind of a more uh, accessible version of the band, if we were to put it lightly. Yeah. And I feel like with just his songwriting here just took a weird turn. I I think Hey Now might legitimately be one of the worst songs that he ever It's wrote. weird, no? It's, it's pretty yeah. weird. Well, and I would say that this is another one where, like, I kind of wish that I had a, a four-minute version sung by, like, a choir of young boys who aren't great singers. Like, in the, in the film, yeah. when they're just walking around, they're, like, banging sticks on, like, tire hubs yeah, yeah, and yeah. shit. And and just like screaming the song, like that was more enjoyable than this version where he's trying to deliver it earnestly. And he, they even put out a version of this, like sounds from true stories, which had some incidental music and one or two additional like cast versions of there. Mm-hmm. But like the John Goodman version of People Like Us still oh, lost yeah. a time. And for even the record, though it's incredible. John Goodman singing People Like Us, I think, is a criminally neglected song, and I feel like his version of it is just so goddamn good. Well, and his voice fits the instrumentation yeah. so much better. Yeah. Because it's, like it's country produced yeah. like a folk out country. Yeah. It has slide guitar. We don't want freedom. And I remember my note for that being like, we I'm don't... not okay with this twang thing. Uh-huh. Like album version. And it's the thing about this one is that it's not that I like hate them for their portrayal of Southerners in that movie. It's that this album in general I'm fairly indifferent about mm-hmm. and just that vibe of the movie sends me enough over the edge to right. be like oh I remember that time y'all weren't too nice yeah. mm-hmm. and then even the, and, <laughs> and the thing is there are still really good moments on here like honestly especially again speaking about cast versions better than the original uh, Radiohead you know the yes. kind of bendito number oh there. my gosh yeah. I, I'm so happy the cast version of Radiohead is on the deluxe edition from 04 yeah. and there's one other song that's the it's, yeah, it's Papa Legba, is, yeah. which is actually fine. that's one where I like the band version better. Yeah, it? yeah. yeah. it's just yeah. it's a song. Yeah, no, but the the cast version of Radiohead is phenomenal. Like when I first heard the album version of Radiohead, I was like, I kind of can't believe Tom York liked this enough to name his band after it. <laughs> I was really then, wondering and hoping that that's where... Yeah. But that yeah. means that you know where he, he saw it. the goddamn movie, but, which but, makes yeah. me happy. But he definitely saw the movie and saw the original because I feel like even if. Even in like vocal delivery on Pablo Honey, he sounds like. Stop, stop, like, you can stop, Sure, yeah, that whatever <laughs> yep. that was. Uh-huh. Um, you guys, it's not Tom York. He's in the studio with us right now. Believe it or not. <laughs> He's, He's not, not here. here. Hey guys, he did, po- did a podcast about me. Oh, Tom, please, come on, let's get out of here. Was that your Tom York? <laughs> there was more of like a, like, a drunken like beat. Every British man you do is it's just Paul same. McCartney. It's the same. That wasn't Tom York, that was like Ron Fork. <laughs> But that being said, <laughs> dad jokes brought to you by Allie. Happy hour minisode after this. Uh, that being said, though, and the thing is that, like, and I would say, true stories, the opening song, "Love for Sale," which sounds like David Byrne's terrible idea of what a pseudo hard rock number sounds like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like 
It's almost like his his Americana like old time rock and roll yes. thing. In re-listening, my note for that one was, "Well, this is aggressive." <laughs> <laughs> right, but I wouldn't call it good. But again, there were still moments on here that I really liked to the point where it's like. Number six, like, I kind of, in my mind, I kind of want, like, a place, maybe two places higher. Like, I, I can appreciate this album. Two places? Maybe not two places. Above what? That ain't happening. Uh, but I, well, the only other thing that's coming to mind right now, I feel like, I feel like for you, Taryn, the other one you were debating in your mind head was 77. It was, yes. Yes. And my pick would kind of be like, I feel like we're in this rut where True Story 77 and Naked, I think, are kind of rubbing shoulders. No, 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 no. I like Naked. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I feel like Naked is a really good playthrough album. Naked doesn't have a whole lot of, like, what? Does it have any, like, doesn't have big any hits, great guys? songs. No, it has. No, it has. I mean, it's still a really just a good it's vibe. Solid. Yeah, oddly it, enough, it's very as much solid. It's a feel good album. At that time in their yeah. career, yeah. it's still a really good album. It has mm. the most, I'd say, color out of any of their albums. Yes, like exactly. it, has, yeah. it, has it takes horns. It makes it great has, use yeah. of horns. Well, and it's I especially like Naked because after the success of Speaking in Tongues and especially Stop Making Sense. They then put out Little Creatures, which is the first time they sound like the 80s to yeah. me. Yeah. And the yeah. first Ooh. time they start to sound like they're Ooh. contemporary. Like yeah. a pop band. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they continue to sound like a pop 80s band on True Stories. But then with Naked, suddenly that is ripped away again. Yeah. And it sounds like, Naked sounds like an album that could come out today. Like it yeah, sounds I like don't think fresh, we should be talking about Naked yet. Production. I think we should be talking about Naked in a couple of albums. Like, I mean production, not production. Not a couple, but we can talk about it a little bit later. Trust me, I, I know. Uh, but that being said, uh, 77, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit though. Yeah, is yeah. that your number six pick? Are you going to say that? I genuinely, yeah. my number six might be naked. I'm just telling you right now. But that being said, okay. I do want to hear. I do want to hear. Talk about it. I do want to hear you talk about seventy-seven first. Okay, so yeah, seventy-seven. Seventy-seven is um rough. He is a. It's distinct. All hold. Excuse me. He's a no holds barred, terrible vocalist. <laughs> yeah. On this album, he fucking sucks. It's hard to listen to. <laughs> but he has some except great for ideas. except for on like. Mm, Three of the songs. Yeah. I would say he gives like a like a passable vocal take. <laughs> and on everything else, I'm like, shut up. Even, shut your mouth. Even if like, I think that um, the first two songs, Uh Oh, Love Comes to Town and New Feeling are both pretty solidly written. Mm -hmm. I think that they, that if they had been released three albums later, I would like them. But... I think he sounds terrible. And then it gets even worse from there on tentative decisions and happy day. Oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> so like, so it's just, it's just fucking rough. And then it, it has no compassion, which I kind of like. I actually it's really clear. like no compassion. He's I kind of like tentative decisions a little I, bit, though. I, like, I don't like tentative decisions. I also feel like this is an album where, because it was so bare bones and scrapped together, if they re-recorded this with a producer, I have a feeling that there would be a lot more. Yeah. Well, right. Sure, and sure. I'm sure that, uh, like, the reason the vocals on more songs about building and food are better is not because he had improved a ton, because it was, like... Re recorded less than a year mm -hmm. later. It's yeah. because Brian Eno was like, no, no. Wait a minute. Can yeah. you do that maybe eight more times? Yeah. Um, I What I was going to say about No Compassion, though, is that I enjoy it because it sounds like him playing around with that Led Zeppelin song structure. That's fair. That, hmm. that like, sort yeah. of, not, not acoustic verse in the classic sense, but, like, 
where the verse and the chorus are in drastically different time signatures and then yeah. there's like a hard guitar breakdown and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah this is nice. And then I think that's the start, start of side B is no compassion. I, I think so. And and it's it's because they sure as aren't gonna open beside with the book I read because fuck that. This song. is a pretty. <laughs> this is a pretty one of the like largest contrasts I've noticed between a side A and a side B of an album. Mm-hmm. Like side B is fucking great in my opinion. Besides the book I read. Yes. Um, don't worry about the yeah, government. Don't worry about, about the government. Is great. So much fun, and I love first week last week. Yeah, I, I like, and that wasn't a song that I was familiar with before this week doing research, and I was like, oh, yeah, hey. um, yeah, yeah, and and then obviously it has Psycho Killer, and I would even say Pulled Up is really Pulled fun. Pulled Up is a great Pulled song. Up is too, yeah. Up, 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 up. So it's 2017. A while ago, uh, Chuck Berry passed away, and in all of the like online exhumations of you know like people like talking about him, there was this interview that was pulled up from 1980 for some magazine that did a thing where it's just like, hey, we're gonna play some songs for Chuck Berry and kind of see what he thinks about him. Uh, and so like it was just like kind of other pop stuff. And like Chuck Berry, he just doesn't give a fuck, and he was just talking about like none of these things are new. Like all these things, they're you know like they're just doing rock and roll. It's all rock and roll reappropriate. You can throw a synth or whatever on it. Like and he just had you know stuff to say about each one. And one of the songs they played for him was Psycho Killer by Talking Head. He's like, I like the song. There's a pretty good structure to it. Although the lead singer, he sounds like he's nervous. It sounds like he's got stage fright. Uh, and I'm like, you know, you're not entirely wrong there, Chuck Berry. Like <laughs> yeah. that, you know. Chuck Berry and my 20-year-old co-worker Stella mm-hmm. had very similar things to say about this, <laughs> this particular album. Yes, I want the See, insights of 20-year-old co-worker Stella. Because while I'm I'm not quite ready to rank Talking Head 77 yet, because I do admire it as an album, and mm-hmm. I do, I don't, I feel like, you know... We've got a, a song, an album or two to cover. We'll see. We'll get there. Right, right. We'll um, get there. But Stella, the day that I chose to start listening to this band at work, I warned her. Stella, I'm going, I'm doing a podcast about the Talking Heads, so you're going to hear some weird shit. Yeah. And I'm sorry about it. She's like, it's cool. My dad listens to weird shit in her little cute 20-year-old way. And I start with Talking Heads 77, and I'm about three songs in, like halfway through Tentative Decisions. Yeah. And little nugget Stella looks up at me and goes, yeah, you're right. This is some weird shit. (laughs) Then fast forward, do we get to Psycho Killer? And much like Chuck Berry, I'm sitting here like pontificating on the juxtaposition of that song and like the happy-go-lucky like upbeat twang of the guitar versus what he's saying, which is like, please don't fuck with me because I might go ape shit and kill everybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about how macabre that is and just sitting there like pondering that and still out of nowhere is like, yeah, I like this one. This is pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, all right, still. Yeah. You and Chuck Berry, dude. <laughs> it was weird, though, because when that song came out in 77, that was also the the Son of Sam summer in New York oh. where there was those killings going on. And so the song came out at the same time and a lot of people were at the time were just like, who the fuck is this band trying to capitalize on a psycho that's murdering people in New York? And David Byrne's like, I wrote this song, you know, for oh, years. Why is David Byrne British? That's like the third time you've done that. <laughs> David Byrne is not British. That's almost an intentional thing. <laughs> Listen, I got my my terrible David Byrne impression. You got your terrible David Byrne impression. I'm not even going to try. Evan's David Byrne is British. I at least least (laughs) put myself out there with a terrible David Byrne impression. I will throw myself out for judgment by the podcasting listeners at whole. Leave us a ranking on the iTunes about my David Byrne impression. Give us five stars. Uh, But hey, listen. So (laughs) that being said... 
I feel like, I mean, the thing is that, like, True Stories, like, I, I, it's an album, like, I hold on to just, like, a couple of songs. I really do genuinely appreciate them, but it's also, you know, levied out by these terrible things, including Puzzle and Evidence, which is just... Nah. But yeah, I do understand, but it, that's the thing. 77, I feel like there's a lot more to it, but it, it's almost like they're kind of hand-in-hand, hand where the good stuff that is on both of these albums is kind of a little bit offset by the bad stuff. It's not as bad as, say, Fear of Music, yeah. but it's, like, it's very much lesser material. Yeah, but I would thing. say that... the the better stuff on Talking Head seventy seven is better. It's it's the stronger only songwriting. The song that I really like from True Story is a It's like a wow wow. That's it. <laughs> Life. But I also but then again <laughs> David Byrne is so fun to scat you guys because like you just have to make mouth sounds. That's it. Match the harmony and Any make mouth, mouth sounds. Sound. Any <laughs> mouth sound you want. You're like bam. It's Talking Heads. Nailed it. Well, I saw some YouTube comments today about Psycho Killer. We talked about Psycho, and it was just spelling out the lyrics: Psycho Killer, Keskese, Fa 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 Fa. Oh yeah, A H A E A H A H. Like just all the different letters he's saying. You know, it was just like, oh my god, lots of sounds. By the way, podcast listeners, thank you for enduring our various various primal primal sounds. There are a lot of primal sounds. Thank you for sitting through my mouth sounds. And by the way, my David Byrne impression is pretty sweet too but I only do it when he's singing so if you like mine oh, my, my, my singing impression is completely different it's great you I know he's not British when you sing <laughs> so that being said but also the other thing about true stories is that I feel like it'd be a different conversation if we were talking about an album full of the cast material versus yes, the band oh, it, absolutely. Would, it would be exactly. an incredibly it would be, different so, and, it, and I feel like that's like something as a sticking point with me so just for the sake of it let's go ahead let's throw true stories at number Seven. And the thing is, I still, I love. You mean like at number six? Number six. We already one, had one, something. One of the numbers. Had, yeah, exactly. we already picked. Uh, Listen, I'm British. I don't know numbers. So you know their crazy <laughs> metric system. So, uh, guys, uh, six. let's Num- look at number five. Six. So listen, we get went ahead to that. <laughs> now the other question is, Allie. Me? Me yes. again? Yes. Okay. You. All right. Like, great, because he's saying seventy-seven, and you're saying. I'm saying seventy-seven. I thought Evan was gonna lobby for oh. naked. Yeah. I'm pretty because sure he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. That's, I'm gonna lobby for 77 I because say, of all of the things that we've already said about 77, and in the words of my coworker Stella, yet again, yeah, this is some weird shit. But that being said, I mean, Talking Heads is weird shit. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It all no, is. No, no, no. But no sometimes we, it's amazing weird shit. And yeah. Sometimes it's just weird shit. And we can agree <laughs> there's a, some amazing moments on 77, right? Yes. Absolutely. Where's the amazing moment on Naked? I um. Because it ain't Mr. Jones. Listen, I, mommy, I daddy, feel like Naked I. as an me. album is not an amazing, it doesn't have an amazing moment because it's an amazing experience. Yeah. It's front amazing to back. Amazing is a strong word. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it's front to back, a great playthrough album. Right. Like, yes. It's something you can put on and just like forget about what you're doing. Yeah, yes. that's the thing about Naked is that I, I would say there's maybe like two songs on there that I legitimately go, or like genuine yeah, takeaways. I want to skip this. Oh. Yeah. Whereas... Um, honestly, there are some albums that I would rank higher than it where there are more songs that I want to skip. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, but the good that's moments. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like Naked, it's exactly, it's very colorful. It, it sounds like they really figured out their production shit and it, it sounds incredible. The other thing about it's Naked crisp. too is that David Byrne went on to pursue a lot of world music mm-hmm. uh, after that. And I mean, Naked, you hear that hear, very yeah, You I mean, hear it a lot, but I feel like in Naked they refine it and they really start to use it in, an, in a way that's more advantageous to what 
talking sea, heads. Up. I actually mm-hmm. feel like with Naked, the biggest thing about it is I feel like in some ways he's actually trying to course correct after true stories in terms of like the score because especially the last two songs bill and cool water they tonally Mm. and texturally actually sound like nothing else in the talking heads catalog especially cool water kind of this little like like open air kind of like this watery kind of like this like you know like echo echo guitar thing i enjoy cool water and the thing is that it actually sounds kind of like this is almost like a score soundtrack thing and also it reminded me of explosions in the sky yeah, no. Well, that's I mean, what that's it reminded me of. Okay. And also, um, because uh, I'm a fucking idiot, I didn't realize today, uh, David Byrne has a fucking Oscar. Oh, so he he won an Oscar for Last Emperor. Yeah, for I, best original score with Ray Sakamoto. I had Sakamoto. no idea I had he no did idea. that <laughs> score. Yeah, but he really fucking did the. Fu- yeah, I, I mean, I obviously he did a good job. I remember, I remember the scene where he's too. like. Where he's like running and then he's like through all the ribbons, and then he gets up to like the edge of the podium and then he sees all the followers yeah. just like out there in the courtyard. Yeah, I'm just like it was a very epic movie. But yeah, no, yeah, he did that. I had no idea he's about an Oscar. that. Okay. Exactly. So, anyways, uh, but that's the thing, like mm-hmm. naked, there are some moments that feel genuinely cinematic on here, but then when I hear like the kind of sort of family drama of like mommy, daddy, you and I, I and like the democratic circus. Like I don't oh, like yeah. that song. Which one? Mommy, Daddy, You and I. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. like that one either. Yeah. But that was one of the ones one that like two where I was like I'd skip that um I actually really like Democratic Circus mm-hmm. I I, I really like Democratic Circus I too. especially appreciate it because as we've mentioned this is a very joyful warm lush album yes. in general and Democratic Circus has this grit this paranoia and this darkness to it it's yeah. a really mm-hmm. it's a nice and a, a I especially like yeah. that it's it's right smack dab in the middle it has five before it five after it and it 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 serves as sort of like an intermission it's for a all of this shift. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly I, I like Big Daddy. I love Big Daddy. <laughs> I love Big Daddy. I was just too. about to bring that up. Yeah. I really like Big Daddy, and I feel like it's one of the places where, because there are a lot of horns on this album. Yeah, but they really and come to the fore on that. Really, like, I think that it, they're used most effectively on Big Daddy, not because it's the best song on here, but because they, like, the horns specifically elevate that song. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, a, it's a nice song. Yeah. And then it, it goes to great because of the way that it builds and flourishes towards the end. Yeah. What bothers me about Naked is that Tina Weymouth didn't play a lot of bass on this album. She played a whole lot of alto sax on this album, but mm-hmm. she did not play a lot of bass. And I oh, interesting. It. There were a couple of songs that she did play bass for, and I believe Big Daddy is one of them. Mm. And I legitimately took note of like the sound of the bass in those songs. Like, oh my God, Tina's back on the bass. Hey, Praise Jesus. Yeah. I didn't even That bothered that. me about that album. Fair. And Blind. Here is my note on Blind, which is the opening track to this album. Le- legit just wrote, who invited James Brown? Because that song <laughs> oh is my so like old Vampire. school. You're so yeah. right. And his See, voice on it's that It's not song. the crunch, but you know, I'll take it. That's, uh, no, his voice on, yes, his voice on Blind, I actually really dig Blind. I love Blind. Yeah. Um, but, but I straight he, up was just like, this is Talking Heads, what? But, and I feel like it actually reminded me of some of the unrestrained vocals that he has on the early albums we've ranked already, where yeah. he's just, like, screeching, basically. Yeah, but he's so but much he's, better at it now. But he's so much better oh, at yeah. it now. Right yeah. now, it, it doesn't sound like, oh, you it don't know how to painful. sing. It sounds like, 
oh, you're using this you're for an, feeling for an this. David Byrne, yeah, exactly. David Byrne is this weird singer that actually has found and strengthened singer. and better his voice as time has gone on. Yeah, we watched a video, a performance of him on uh, Letterman. Letterman with St. Vincent, Vincent. Um, this week, just, you know, to get a change of pace. Yeah. And he sounds amazing. Well, you know, Now I that am... he's all gray, but he's been singing his whole life, basically, so his voice has improved a ton. He's had time to train, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, uh, I had the distinct pleasure of seeing him perform <laughs> live at Bonnaroo in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I can say... With my own two little ears, that he sounds phenomenal at this point in his career. Yeah. Phenomenal. And that tour that he did with St. Vincent sounded phenomenal, too. Um, and I just appreciate the theatricality of David Byrne. At mm-hmm. all at all Which times. he's always had. He's, he really I has. I mean, when you watch the concert film. now he has the, the money film. to do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have 18 dancers and chairs behind me. Oh, okay, cool. Brandon That's what David you're going to David Byrne is back, you guys. But, like, <laughs> But he has, like, dancers on stage, like, backing him up, and he's got, like... And the thing is, like, he's not making... I'm sure he's not making a ton of money, but he could also just, you know, tour on the fact that he's David Byrne. I brought up his IMDb page after I found about that Oscar thing. Uh, and holy shit, like, his songs get used in every... Everything. That's, that's, that's yeah. the thing. You say, like, you don't think he's making that much money, except that his, Talking Heads, even if they weren't, like, the hugest, most commercially successful band, they had two albums that went double platinum. Yeah. Stop Making Sense in Little Creatures. And they are now so notorious, they've spawned so many bands that are that don't copy their sound, but are clearly inspired by. Yeah. And their music gets used everywhere. Yeah. Like, everywhere. I hear them in, in pop culture, in movies and TVs, in public, a lot of all movies. the time. Yeah. And so he's clearly making plenty of royalty money. There. Yeah. Like... So that being said... Yeah, where are we? We are at our number five spot. Oh, right. We're debating 77 and Naked. I'm I'm, still going to 77. I have to go 77. All right. And then Naked right after that. Yep. Okay. As long as we're doing that. And listen here, at this point in the podcast where we have number eight, songs about more songs about buildings and food, number seven, Fear of Music, number six, True Stories, number five, Talking Cat 77, number four, Naked, we're at this point now where we are down to our top three albums. And you're going to hear what they are right after this. One second. And we're back. I, I hope you enjoyed those five seconds of break. It was five hours for us. We took a day's rest and now we're completely back ready to go. I took a nap. I yeah. showered. <laughs> I showered. We also just did a quick re-listen of the entire rest of their entire discography. So we're good to go. Yeah, uh, So that being said. Those uh, were all lies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're down to our top three albums for Talking Cats, which includes Remain in Light from 1980, Speaking in Tongues in 1983, and Little Creatures from 1985. And... Guys, I don't know about you. It's pretty fucking obvious what number three is. I think it's pretty fucking obvious what number three is, but I would I would think that we would all three think so, you but might. we might not be on no, the same page. Here's the thing. Let's just do a thing real quick. Are we? Are we, Can we agree it's pretty obvious what the number one, three, two, three is? I want to do yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm torn between two, and it's probably both of your choices. Okay, right, Allie and I, let's count to three. One, two, three. Yeah. One, two, Three little, little creatures. creatures. Thank oh, you. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah, oh no, my god. I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> so I love briefly... little creatures. Uh, I well, love it. I feel like it's their pop party album. You know what I mean? Like that's why it's so high up for me. It was their it mainstream is, acceptance album. It is a album. fantastic yeah. playthrough album. Like if you're having people over and you want music that is upbeat and is like 
just a great album to listen to start to finish. Little Creatures is great. But it's here's, a great album. Here's the thing, though. Like you it's say, not as great. No, no, no. And the thing is that like I would say that it's interesting you call it the Feel of the Party album because we're speaking tongues as the album that has all the hits on it. Like, yes, it all does. the big hits. But the thing is that I feel like Little Creatures, and we mentioned it in the in the first half of just how it's kind of this accessible, and it's weird to say it in this context because they're from, you know, fucking New York, uh, Americanized uh, version of what they're selling. Yeah. Because after getting so infected with world beat influences and other things they brought in, especially on, uh, you know, uh, Fear of Music and Remain and Like here, they're very much kind of like, here we go, we can be generic, you know, and poppy too. That's totally okay. We could do that. And but they're it'll... also good at it. It's a good yeah. album. Mm-hmm. I would... S- yeah, I would say it's, it's a, a good solid album. album. I mean, it yeah. made it to number three, guys, of H. This, so it's a good album. This yeah, is true. I know. And the thing is, like, and she was. Not my favorite. Yeah. Really? Like, a lot of times, the big hits, and we'll get to this when we get to our top two, but the big hits of the album tend to not be my, my very favorite on the album. But, man, Road to Nowhere, though. That Road is to Nowhere one of my is so top, great. Maybe I my mean, top five. I think that, I think that like, ever. most Talking Heads fans are going to put Road to Nowhere somewhere near the top. Like, yeah. it is just a objectively phenomenally written song. Mm-hmm. I also it, really love Walk It Down. Yeah, Walk It Down is is a lot of fun for me. It's not and my television favorite. Television Man. The last Wait, three... what? Television Man, really? I do like uh, Television Man. No. When it gets to that weird no. choir, like, non-vocal, like, oh, you know, thing at the end. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of... And it's the second half of the song. Yeah, you're right. I usually divert chords <laughs> when that happens yeah. because it is at the the end, the right. tail end of the song. So when it happens, I'm like, great, great song, guys. Yeah. Way to go. And then, <laughs> and then we move on. on. Yeah. yeah. But that's my thing about Little Creatures is that the, the title of the album comes from the song Creatures of Love, which is like, and the thing is that we've been talking about the musicality of all this, but we haven't really been talking about the lyricism of what it is. And Let's I think please talk because about the thing is, is that <laughs> David Byrne is a fascinating songwriter, and I think part of the reason my my I, it's a love hate relationship for me with him because. He is very much, he's not a human. I think it's pretty obvious he's an alien, mm-hmm. a British alien who has come here on this planet. He's not British, I know. Evan. <laughs> but the thing is that he is, all he does is he just observes things. Like he sometimes will like stumble upon something profound through yes. observation. Yes, and what I love about Little Creatures is that because of his his profound realization, like, that song, as he's talking about sex and seeing sex doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, that song's making me feel uncomfortable. And I have to stop and examine myself for a second and be like, wait a minute. Listen to David Byrne, Allie. This is a totally biological function. He's <laughs> writing about something pretty profound here in a really almost juvenile sort of way. But it, it is a song, it's not one that I revisit often, but it is a song that makes me stop and go, hmm. Yeah. You're yeah. making an interesting point here, and- Mr. Byrne. And the thing about Creatures of Love is, sure, it has some interesting points, but it also, as I mentioned earlier, Creatures of Love is really the first song that you hear in their discography when you're listening chronologically where you're like, this sounds like shitty 80s Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) Like, it sounds like so many other generic, like, drum-bass guitar bands Right, that are also making music at this time, and especially it sounds like bands that started in the '70s and are still making music in the '80s. That yeah, that is the sound that they fell into, and so it just—I mean, it just doesn't do it for me. And 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 
a lot of songs on this album fall into that trap. Perfect World. World, yeah, I agree. Stay Up Late, I enjoy. See, yeah. This is another one of those lyrical gems that we were just, you know, starting <laughs> yeah, to talk yeah. about the lyricality of the Talking Heads versus the musical content. And I think Stay Up Late, it's for me, it's just such a fun song for what it's about. Like, I don't want my baby to sleep. He's so cute. Let me play with him for a while. Let's stay up late, kid. Come on, kid. Come on, let's stay up. Yeah. Don't put him down. Right, and, and the thing is that, like, I feel like on this album, especially when you hear that, like, kind of those, you know, very simple guitar lines of, and she's, do 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 boom, boom, boom. That's why when I said that I in the album listing, song. it's like, this is kind of like their R.E.M. album, because, like, it's just this very placid guitar-based, you yes. know, kind of straightforward. But the biggest problem I have with it is that, aside from the fact that they, you know, they trimmed down the horns, they trimmed down a lot of the world beat, it's kind of very straightforward. The thing about this is that I feel like, especially with everything that came before this, and you can kind of see this a little bit in everything afterwards, this very much feels like their album where they start looping themselves lyrically. Yes. Because I feel like David Byrne, he was always pointing out crazy different sociological or sometimes yeah. even pathological things. And here he's just kind of, again, creatures of love, you know, a man and a woman get into a house and they make little creatures that come out there. Like, yeah, you've talked about this before, dude. Like, yeah. I feel like this is the one album where it starts feeling a little bit like, okay, talking heads, we get it. Like, I feel like, too, this is the album where they stopped taking risks. Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. They, they were like, we found this commercial success. We know what the equation for this that success is and we're just going to keep repeating that because it's done us well uh-huh. and i feel like that little creatures is probably the beginning of the end for them too oh absolutely it's a turning point yeah it's a great album and that's a, a damn shame because it is such a sad turning point in their career and you can totally it's it's almost their sellout album, guys. Yeah, like, no, it absolutely is. It makes me feel is. bad to say well, it. Well, and it's because... But it's number three. They, but they, it's great. They found more success than they ever had found before with Stop Making Sense, which was the year before this. It was 1984, between mm-hmm. Speaking in Tongues and Little Creatures. Yep. And suddenly they had a platinum-selling album. Mm-hmm. And so then they were like, oh, well, now we have a public that wants to hear from us. Yeah. And so they... We better it, give them the sound exactly. that they want so to Exactly, so it sounds like they were appeasing the public. Yeah. 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 And I almost wonder how much, how much of that was David Byrne and how much of that was the band as a whole. I wonder how much of that was Brian Eno. But Brian Eno was gone by this point. Oh, he was? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, he, he, he worked on... He left after uh, Remain in Light. Yeah, Remain That's in Light was the last album with Brian Eno... Um, and he almost didn't want to come back for that because he doesn't want to, he didn't want to work too much with the same band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He does like an album or two with each band and then right. he wants with to Cold move play, on. Coldplay, obviously. Um, doesn't he work with U2 a lot too? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. U2 is where he went after, Got after. It. He elevated the big leagues after that. Okay, yeah. so I was wrong. This had nothing to do with Brian Eno, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Let's just cut this out of the pot. Erase it from your memory. Just, you know, because. Men in Black Pennant. I think it's also uh, between Remain in Light and Speaking in Tongues, Tom Tom Club had their heyday. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, at which which sold <laughs> sold just as well as anything Talking Heads had put out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just as popular commercially. Mm-hmm. So I think that after then they saw success with Stop Making Sense, it's possible that they were like, oh, well, maybe let's go to this more yeah. public-friendly sound. Let's follow that watered-down sound. Yeah. Exactly. So long story short, Little Creatures number three, right? Number three. That's, Did that's... we talk about The Lady Don't Mind, though? You can talk about Lady Don't Mind. Because The Lady Don't Mind is like 
definitely one of my favorite Talking Heads songs. And that's one where the whole band co-wrote that. Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. I hadn't hadn't noticed that. Yes, I think, I just think it's fucking phenomenal. I think that it has one of the catchiest melodies he's ever written, as far as, like, verses specifically. And just, yeah, they all bring their A-game there. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, right. now, listen, that's nice, and nice things are Everything, nice. Yeah, nice is nice. But we're not going to be nice now. Nope. Because guess what? We're down to number it one. It depends. We could be nice. We and don't number know. I know, exactly, because guess what, we guys? We're down know. to well, remain in light and speaking in tongues, the critical favorite and the commercial mega hit. I think we should just talk about both of them. Let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Okay. All right. So, let's start chronologically, remain in light. Now again, with all the world being shit that they were starting to try out on Fear of Music, (laughs) holy moly, did they actually find a way to loop it into great grooves. And Remain in Light, and this is something that it has on Speaking in Tongues. Well, again, Speaking in Tongues is very much, the fact that it's between Remain in Light and Little Creatures is perfect, because it's this thing where, like, they're still a little bit weird, they're still a little bit kind of trying out things structurally, but they're also very much in line with, uh... You know, like their pop instincts at this point, yeah. and their yeah. pop instincts, because I feel like with Remain in Light, Once in a Lifetime, one of the greatest pop singles of the '80s of maybe all maybe time. Maybe all time, yeah. absolutely. That song is so 100%. brilliantly structured and brilliantly written and brilliantly vocalized. This is where we see David Byrne, who has been weird and difficult with his vocals for his entire career. On this album, he really like maybe on the the album before this. He gets it. He's a little bit better vocally, but mm-hmm. on this album, especially in Once in a Lifetime, he is brilliant. Yeah. All of his weird David Byrne idiosyncrasies really, really work for that song, and right. it is a brilliant pop song. And the thing about Remain in Light as an album is that like it's heavy on the grooves. It's you know very repetitious. Yes. It's very much that you feel the full band in force. Like there, there's you hear a lot every of percussion bass. element. Yeah. You hear a lot of bass. You hear a lot of keyboards. More than where it's kind of like a smattering on the other albums. Here it's like. All band, all the time, all at once. It's a it's cohesive a, unit. It's a maximalist sure. pop yeah. album, right? And it's for that reason that it's almost like you never hear this consistency again throughout their discography. They try other right. things, yeah. they try which other genres why, and things. Which is yeah. why these two albums have are at one and two. This is the era where they figured out they hit their stride. They hit that world music groove based stride, and that is why they still have so many massive fans. Yeah. Is, right these two albums and what and they Once were in a Lifetime is a beautiful, fantastic, phenomenal song, but I gotta talk ho- about Houses of Motion. Yes. I love that song with every fiber of my mm-hmm. being. I cannot help but dance in some way. I was late coming over here, guys, because I was dancing to that song in my kitchen. Uh-huh. So that's it's irresistible to me. And a lot of the songs on this album are the same way. They're irresistible. Honestly, Once you get started. Go ahead. I love... And again, this was a track that I was not familiar with somehow, even though I know my dad had and put on this album, but um, Born Under Punches, The Heat Goes On. That is such is a fantastic first so track, So much fun. It really that, hooks you in as a first track of the that, album. That it's, uh, it's just like a single note, but that, that guitar hook it's that they do. It's such an easy, easy it's groove. It's such an easy groove, and it feels like... That specific guitar hook was something that then just like spawned so many copies, yep. and that that vibe that they're going for here, and that specific groove yep. is like 
people like that became part of the sound of the 80s going forward and for sure uh, part of the sound of the talking heads absolutely going forward yeah. right. if not already a little bit before but this was i feel like the album where they started to really solidify their identity as a oh, band oh yeah mm-hmm. this more than definitely more than fear of music this For feels like sure. a band that yeah. is in control of what they're when doing when i think it's also the first time i'm I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time that they brought in backing vocalists to record on the album. Yes, yes. Like, Izimbra is is all the band shouting on, on Fear of Music, but yeah. here on Remain in Light, on uh, Born Under the Punches, and I think a couple other songs. Once they in a have... Lifetime for sure, and Houses in Motion. Yeah. You can hear the textural yeah. like harmonies yeah. from those vocalists that they brought in, because they got smart and they went, guys, we, we can be doing more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, and I know Taryn, you're not the biggest fan of this, but the spoken word, seen and not seen, the texture and the groove on that, that like doing a spoken word song in the middle of an album is always a risky endeavor. Yeah. But the, you know what makes it work when you make the music that's backing it profoundly interesting yes. yeah. and moving, and that's I, the reason why that works for I, me. I I don't dislike seen and not seen. Right. Um, it's not your favorite. I, it's not my favorite, mm-hmm. uh, and and part of that is, and and it's funny because. Part of me likes this, and part of me is bothered by it. Yeah. Um, the once in a lifetime houses in motion, seen and not seen run um, share a chord structure, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, and it, it is, it's especially striking in seen and not seen. You as as the song evolves and it, it's going in the second half, you hear, and I think it might even be like the same synth line that backs up. Um, once in a lifetime, and and like I said, part of me really likes that because it keeps it keeps it, keeps it moving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's a through line. Yeah, I guess I can. I'm just gonna say that I like that. Yeah. Um, it, but it's it, and it also reminds me of. Um, I, obviously, this is not an influence on it, but it reminds me of um, fire coming out of the monkey's head from, <laughs> from Gorillas. Demon, Demon Days. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, Dennis Hopper. And it totally, especially the way that it then moves into the songs after it. Yes. And on on that note, I actually listening wind really grew on me this week. Same here. Yeah. Not, it's a mystery that I still haven't fully figured out, but I'm intrigued by the mystery. was not totally about it at first, yeah. especially because I had just heard a, a song with spoken yeah. verses. I would call it resistant. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Then you're a little you're resistant like, to it. But then, But then that chorus comes in and you're like, oh, oh sure, there's wind in my hair. I can there's... take this journey. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it is such a journey because it's about, um, and I'm going to say it wrong, so I'm just not going to say the name, but it's about a, a Middle Eastern man who's who's struggling with the effects of Western society in his country. And and a couple other things happen too. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I, and so again, that was sort of a thing where I'm like, I mean, I know you're into world music. I know that you're pulling all these influences, but on first listen, I was like, is this genuine? Like, yeah. can you, as a white man living in New York, really speak to this experience? And that is but, that is a constant criticism throughout his entire career, too. Because it's very it's the Paul Simon question of just like, I know you're deeply in love and affected by, you know, world beat African music there, but are you the person to represent this? You know, especially when a white man is doing this, like you're certainly in a way normalizing it or introducing to an audience that may not normally be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. But then again, after Talking Heads, you know, David Burr then also opened up his own record label, uh, Lupabop yes, too. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, there's a, a fine line between like 
appropriating. Exploiting and yeah. appropriating culture and actually working to uh, advance, it, advance awareness it. Yeah. of right. the culture. Well, and I think that you can also... I think that you you have to give him credit for in both the touring band for The Name of This Band is Talking Heads and for Stop Making Sense, there's the four band members yeah. who met in Rhode Island, so they're white, mm-hmm. and then everyone else they hire is black. Yeah. And, and they're like, if we're going to do this sound, we need to hire musicians who can really... Who authentically know this sound. Right. Yeah. But also, we just need to get some amazing backing vocalists that are going to change Oh my the God, women. those you women. See, exactly. But we'll talk about that in a Act moment. Show. The other thing we need to talk about is this fine act of making flippy floppy. I'm not sure if you're aware oh, of are, this. Oh, we're moving on to speaking I want to talk about it a little bit, too, because we spent a lot of time talking about Remain in Life. Are we yeah. going to rank them first? Or no, 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 no. We're talking about We're talking about them first, yeah. and then we're going to be like, all right, so it's, what's number two? It's about to get very obvious <laughs> for me. All of my favorite Talking head songs ever are on Speaking in Tongues. Girlfriend is Better is probably uh, my favorite Talking head song of all time I, yep i'm i've got a girlfriend with bows in her hair and nothing is better than that how does it get any any more fantastic lyrically than yeah. that line that song this must be the place naive melody as as over overdone as it is and over covered as it is now it is still such a beautiful and genuine love song right and when the covers always work yes, you're always do. like you're always just happy who does to hear it which, because that songwriting is so brilliant yeah yeah although the best one is when we saw brother tiger live do his amped up synth version of it that was, was a lot of fun it was fantastic <laughs> and i mean i also like it's one of the things where it, in interviews you know david byrne talks about how it's like i you know he likes uh, you know, songs about buildings and society and culture, but he doesn't, you know, he knows about love. He doesn't want to write songs. He's talked about how when it came to Stop Making Sense, he only wrote one love song, and in Stop Making Sense, I sing it to a lamp. Yeah. And the thing is that, like, it, I, even then, even with all of that, this must be the place still isn't the love song because it's kind of this very oblique societal, you're all just in a routine kind of thing. Like, you know, can we share the same space for a minute or two? You know, like, it's just like, that's, you know, it's kind of, you know, a little bit, that little bit of cynicism in there, but it's just such... One of their most accessible moments. It's so interesting how interpretations work, too, because I still adamantly believe that This Must Be the Place is one of the best love songs of all time. And I'm going to keep calling it a love song because of the line, I can't tell one from another, did I find you or Or you you find find me. me. Yeah. Like, there are a few lines in that song that are just a little bit more poignant than the blasé, like... Yeah, you want to hang out for a second? Like, it's a little bigger than that. Admittedly, <laughs> I've never heard that in a pop Let's song. Let's share but... the same spice for a moment or two, if that's cool well, with you. Well, that, I mean, bigger. that's also a beautiful way yeah, of yeah. saying, it, let's it hang really out. It really is. Yeah. It's a really well, understatedly beautiful way. But I'm... there are so many gutturally amazing songs on this album that have that, like, primordial, like, making flippy floppy, mm-hmm. swamp, I know... How you feel, but tell them how you feel about Swamp. Okay, Swamp is one of the worst fucking pirate shanties ever fucking made. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with you. You can disagree as much as you I, want. That will see, not change me in an ounce. I get it. I get it. That's the part of Swamp that hooks me in. See, and I, it's primordial, like, I tell Yeah, see, that's my favorite part. The only reason I like the chorus is because there's a very famous O'Reilly story about this song. <laughs> oh, tell it, tell so it. So this was before I was born. Um, my mother is a physical therapist, and she, so she was done with work, and she was ready to leave the hospital. And my father pulls up in the car 
with this song blasting. <laughs> and he has my eldest sister and her th- two cousins who were born within the same 12 months Previous of guest, Brie Vale O'Reilly from um, Fall yes. episode 14. Um, Brie Vale O'Reilly from the Fall Out Boy episode. Yeah. And um, the kids are all hanging out the window and they pull up and they're like, <laughs> hi, we've come to take you home. <laughs> Woohoo! And my mom was like, nope, and turned around and walked back inside. <laughs> Wise woman. Um... So anyway, I, I of course I have a huge fondness for that song. I grew up singing along to it, but I I I understand why you don't like it. Yeah, yeah I get that. And, but and here's and here's the only thing I will say though, because I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious that when you think about the greatness that this must be the place, and even when you think about kind of the the wild like. I, I want to say the wild plaintivism, which isn't even a word, but I still like using it for I get wild, wild gravity. I love right, that song like, so much. Yeah. So, so, so much. Was that the one I said? The gorillas. Yes. Yeah. Another one that white totally boy, sounds like the funk. gorillas. Yeah. yeah. All, like the whole first gorillas album is that like synthy white boy reggae. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, when I first heard get, I get wild. I was like, "Oh man, this is <laughs> here. It is. This is the nexus for so much." Because this is so early. Like, yes, we just did the Led Zeppelin podcast, and yes, they did their own take on reggae. But it is not this. This no. thing. Yeah. Um, and it just keeps with the tone of this primordial, like otherworldly grittiness yeah, about sure. this album that mm-hmm. I love so much. Like, it's just so well, insane. Especially <laughs> when you. I mean. I was about to say the run in the middle, but it's the the, the whole except, album, except the entire Rocks, run. Though. I would say like Moon songs Rocks. one through six: "Burning Down the House," "Making Flippy Floppy," "Girlfriend Is Better," "Slippery People," "I Get Wild," "Swamp." Is just like yes, there's this grit, and there's like they it's have there's a diversity through it. Yeah. They yeah. have the Afrobeat in there, but it's also like it's, it's all not as got pronounced this, as in Romanian, and right? Life. And yeah. there's not as pronounced, and there's also this like. Sinister bent it to taps most into of these songs. Like this deep rooted, almost like childlike oddity that lives in all of our inner child. So, this, like, I just want to, like, get weird for a minute. Right. And yeah. that's what this album does. And, like, you also really hear it on Slippery People. Oh my gosh. Karen slippery needs to talk about people. Slippery People. I, 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 I will. What's the matter with you? Unabashedly <laughs> say, Slippery People. Especially the live version is my favorite Talking Heads song. Divine, yeah, just phenomenal. It, it, I didn't know it was your favorite. It's I, the live I, one, yeah. I have I have decided that from the that bottom this to week. the top. Well, I was, I have. And but even even when it gets going, that. Tina Weymouth's bass playing on this album because there are so yes. many of those dark, dark, deep, like funky songs. Right, she so has the hook. Yeah. Like Tina's playing the hook on like most of these tracks. Yeah, because. Because she's the first real sound you hear, yeah, and it's like and it that's all you, you that's all you need right there. Yes. Like the song could be worse than it is, and you would still like it just because of these bass lines. And then you have David Byrne doing his whole, like this is the perfect nexus between his pop sensib- sensibilities and the Afro beat exploration, yes. explorations yes. of before, yes. and even like the punk elements. Oh, the, you hear a yeah. bit of that in yeah. his like vocal deliveries, and it's, it's just like it all comes marriage. together. Yeah. yeah. What would you say? There's a song on Remain in Light that's as bad as Moon Rocks. Remain in Light. Um. 
Because Moon Rocks, let's be real, that's yeah, that's, I would. That, I think that's it's the way. Seen and not seen. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's or, what I. Or, yeah. Um. Yeah. No, that one. Or the. I mean, obviously, honestly, on Remain and Late, the, the overload. overload. Yeah. Just doesn't. I yeah. Mean, it's just. It, I keep waiting for my revelation of that song to happen. And I, well, I, it just won't I keep waiting. <laughs> I keep waiting for something to happen in that song. Like right. it could especially be especially as the closing <clears throat> song. Right. right, you're like hit. You know, end on a high note, well, guys. Also, and it's just so anticlimactic. But it also, I if it you're not gonna, yeah. if you're not gonna evolve the song in any way, yeah. like let it be four minutes. Like we don't need six minutes of full guitar drone ambience. Yeah. So that being said, yes, I think <laughs> we can lock it in. Deductive reasoning. Guys, yeah. <laughs> number eight, more songs about buildings and food. Number seven, fear of music. Number six, true stories. Number five, talking head 77. Number four, naked. Number three, little creatures. Number two, remain in light. And the number one Talking Heads album, No Talking Just Head by the Heads from 1995. Shut the fuck up, Evan. Stop squishing my inner child's dreams and tell the people what it is. Number one is Speaking in Tongues. That is the ranking. But guys, let me tell you something. As crazy as a bait as that was, we have so much more to talk about. We barely even touched. Stop making sense. Um, which may be the whole reason that Speaking in Tongues is my favorite that album. That is true. When yeah. we get yeah. into the after Exactly. But so that's we got for that. Time. We got Tom Tom Club. We got all sorts of other things to talk about. And that is in the Happy Hour Mini So, But in the meantime, Allie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank for you. being here. This thank has been phenomenal. Uh, Taryn, of course. I mean, this is, I guess I just didn't realize how deep your love of Talking Heads was. I mean, they are one of Ned's favorite bands of all time. And so they, they, I mean, I have been listening to Talking Heads for literally as long as I can remember. But not like in this full, like. Well, but I've been saying for years that Stop Making Sense is one of my favorite albums ever. Of like all time. In, yeah. in my top it's a ten desert favorite album al- albums yeah. ever. A Desert Island album. That's or a Desert yeah. Elbow album. Desert Elbow album. Right. Yeah. Like, I could put on <laughs> Stop Making Sense and just never get sick of it. Yes. And that's a little unfair because, in a way, it is sort of a greatest hits, but but it's no. also just, it's the best version of, I would that's say, what I at least, like, three out of four of the songs yep. on there. So we're going to talk about all that. In the meantime, do us a favor... Find us on the Facebook, stalk us, and uh, make sure that you say which album is better uh, and give us your own list. And also rank, like us on Facebook and rank us on iTunes and find us on Stitcher. Do all the different things. Uh, in the meantime, though, catch us in the Happy Hour mini sub. We're going to be a lot less lucid than we are currently. Uh, and let me just also say, uh, keep on listening because, as always, you know that we'll be. See you on the next time, guys. See you David Byrne has a fucking Oscar. Oh, for do- I didn't know that. For doing the original score for Kundun. For what? Kundun or whatever. Kundun. Uh, Kundun. 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 Kundun Patrol, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Kundaliza Rice, the movie. Okay, can you spell that for us? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna. Right, you're just gonna Google the it. Magic of we're, the we're, gonna, we're gonna cut this part. So. Kundun. Kundun. K U N. Is that where Iron Fist trained in heaven? <laughs> oh no, that's Kunlun. Yeah. <laughs>